Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. What serious viruses do is they take our lives, they take our livelihoods, and they take our way of life. And it takes a while to recover from those shocks. You know, it might not always feel like it, but we are inching closer to the end of the pandemic. As more and more people get vaccinated and the virus continues to spread naturally through the population, we get closer to herd immunity, the point at which enough people are immune from the virus that it can no longer spread easily. Like lots of people, I've been imagining the end for months. I think about what it's going to be like to go out to dinner with my wife and all the non-COVID stories. I want to get back to covering. But the truth is, there's still a lot of uncertainty about what the end of the pandemic will really look like and what that's going to mean for our society. For example, how will we deal with all the loss we have suffered? How many people will have long-standing health complications from COVID? Will life go back to what it was before? On today's show, we're going to hear from what one doctor slash sociologist has learned from looking at the aftermath of past pandemics and his opinion on how COVID-19 could end and what its long-term impacts might be. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. My name is Nicholas Christakis. I'm a physician and social scientist at Yale, where I direct the Human Nature Lab. And I'm the author of Apollo's Arrow, The Profound and Enduring Impact of Coronavirus on the Way We Live. And I'm just going to jump in here for a second because Dr. Christakis is underselling himself. Not only does he have a medical degree and experience as a doctor, he's also had an esteemed career as a sociologist, studying how our social behavior influences and is influenced by health and human biology. So really, he's uniquely positioned to weigh in on this question of how the COVID-19 pandemic is going to shape our society. One can think about this impact of this virus, of the COVID-19 pandemic, in terms of three phases, the immediate period, the intermediate period, and the post-pandemic period, which begins in 2024, approximately. Now let's consider where we are, for example, beginning in 2021. Right now, This is the time of the immediate pandemic period in which we live in a changed world, wearing masks, engaging in physical distancing, having periodic business and school closures, and so on. Several vaccines had already been invented that were effective against the virus, but it still is going to take time to manufacture hundreds of millions of doses of this vaccine, to distribute those doses, and most importantly, to persuade at least 50% of the public to accept vaccination. Meanwhile, the virus is still spreading. It would take about a year till the end of 2021 or the beginning of 2022 before we finally reach this important milestone of herd immunity, either naturally because the virus kept spreading or artificially through vaccination. And then we would enter the intermediate period. 
During the intermediate period, we would have to now recover not from the biological or epidemiological impact of the virus, we would have to recover from the psychological, social, and economic impact of the virus. So if you look at the history of serious epidemics going back thousands of years, it takes a couple of years for a population to recover from the immediate shock of the epidemic. Millions of businesses have closed permanently. Millions of school children have missed school. Millions of people had lost loved ones and were grieving. Let's also not forget that for every person who dies of the pandemic, perhaps five people will be seriously disabled. So we also need to recover from the clinical shock of the pandemic. Millions of people will need ongoing medical care even after the immediate mortality impact of the pandemic is behind us. So if you put all of this together, we get to the end of 2023, the beginning of 2024, before we finally put the clinical, psychological, social, and economic impact of the virus behind us. And then we will enter the post-pandemic period. I think that period might be a little bit like the roaring 20s of the 20th century after the 1918 Spanish influenza pandemic, but now a kind of roaring 20s of the 21st century. During times of plague, for thousands of years, it's very typical that people become more religious when they're afraid and when there is a serious threat afoot. People also tend to avoid social contact. People stay at home. Social interactions cease when there's a deadly germ afoot. People become more abstemious, more risk-averse. They stop spending their money. All of these changes are very typical changes that are forced upon us by the spread of a deadly pathogen. But when the epidemic is finally over, all of those changes reverse. People no longer are as religious. People relentlessly seek out social opportunities in nightclubs and bars and restaurants and sporting events and political rallies and musical performances and so on. We might see some sexual licentiousness too. People have been cooped up for a long time. People start spending their money. They become more risk tolerant. They engage in entrepreneurial activities. They've, they've escaped death and so they see a bigger role of meaning in their lives. So I think what's gonna happen beginning sometime in 2024, is all of the hardships and struggles and changes in our lives that we had to endure and adopt during these initial years will then suddenly be reversed. I don't think there's gonna be a fundamental long-term change in the nature of human interaction. For thousands of years during times of plague, people have fled cities for rural areas. And in fact, in 2020, as the pandemic began to spread around the world, we saw this ancient pattern repeat itself. People fled cities for suburban and rural areas. But I think the appeal of cities is so great that when the plague is finally behind us in three or four years, people will return to cities because the fundamental appeal of cities is so high. There may be some things that never revert, like handshaking, for example, in Western societies, or certain kinds of superfluous business travel where now people can see that they can do it uh, remotely, or patterns of working from home, for example, when people see that they don't need to commute in order to earn a living. So there are the, these kinds of things that I would describe as intermediate level things that might be quite persistent changes after the pandemic. But it is the case that we will see the other side of this. You can ask, like, what gives you hope? And I'm very tempted to invoke a, a joke that doctors often offer, which is sort of cynical and pessimistic in this situation, which is that all bleeding stops eventually. 
So plagues always end, they end. And in a way we're extremely lucky that serious as this pandemic is, that we have this capacity to invent vaccines and to deploy them in real time. Some people, and I count myself among them, are optimistic that the fact that we have needed science and medicine and have seen its ability to help us during this time of crisis will increase public acceptance of and interest in and support for science. I think it's possible that having seen the importance of science in confronting this worldwide threat, we may see the importance of science in other things, like for instance in confronting climate change. So yes, I think it's possible that one of the long-term legacies of the pandemic will be a renewed appreciation of and interest in and support of scientific endeavors. Dr. Christakis is only presenting one opinion on what changes may lie ahead of us. I'm sure we're going to hear many more hypotheses in the coming weeks and months, and only time will really tell. It's going to be a long road towards some kind of new normal, but the most important thing to remember is that we are all walking this road together. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.